When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Monday, February 13th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Super Bowl is over, and baseball is officially on the clock. Uh, some teams have pitchers and catchers reporting today at spring training. Uh, other teams have uh, pitchers and catchers reporting tomorrow. Uh, by the end of this week, we should should have guys in camp all over the place, and uh, the sounds of the balls hitting the glove and the the bats clanking and, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, uh, spring training will be uh, underway real shortly. Uh, how excited are you to, to get the 2023 season started? Yeah, Joe, it's uh, got, got here fast, didn't it? It seemed like at the end of the postseason uh, last year, it would never get here. Like we had forever to wait until the baseball season started, but it's here right now. I mean, the sun is out in Cleveland. It feels like opening day almost. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm excited. I think the Guardians would take the weather in Cleveland today on opening day, uh, hands down, uh, sunny and, and 40 degrees plus, uh, looks uh, 47. Oh, geez. Wow. It looks pretty good out there. Uh, uh, we're going to get into uh, some of the questions facing the Guardians heading into spring training. Uh, I think we got a good list of them here. Uh, but first, I uh, wanted to talk about a, a couple of things that popped up over the weekend, a couple of uh, trends and, and things we saw. Uh, and one of them uh, has to do with the uh, the pitch comm system now becoming uh, maybe a two way street. Yeah, Joe. Uh, you know, it came out of the owners' meeting uh, late last weekend uh, that uh, you know now the pitchers will have a device on their their wrist there where they can call the pitch themselves and not have to wait for uh, you know to, to receive the transmission from the uh, catchers from their wristbands. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that speeds up the game. You know, it kind of falls in line with the pitch clock coming into uh, the game this season. And uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, pitchers you really uh, kind of call their own games anyways. You know, if they didn't like uh, a sign from the catcher, you know, they could shake it off. But now, um, you know, you kind of cut out the middleman. Yeah, this sort of uh, signals this technology now sort of signals the the death of the shake. We we won't have guys shaking off uh, as much at least, or you know, if if every pitcher used this, then we wouldn't have any need for shaking off signs because he wants to throw. Uh, I guess one of the things that you always hear uh, about from uh, particularly the starting pitchers with the with Cleveland 
over the last several years, uh, whether it was Roberto Perez or Austin Hedges behind the plate. Uh, you know, their job was to make the, the pitcher feel comfortable. And and I always would hear from Shane Bieber or from Aaron Savali, uh, them talking about conviction, pitching, pitching with conviction, uh, you know, believing in the pitch that they were throwing in the in that moment, in that count. Uh, if a pitcher is is shaking a catcher off a lot or if there's there's not agreement on a, a way to attack a hitter uh, in a lot of ways, then uh, the pitcher's not going to be as effective. I think this is going to go a long way to help that. Yeah, I think so, Joe. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder about, you know, you always hear when the starting pitcher's in the groove, you know, he, he was just following what the uh, catcher, you know, the signs the catcher said. Now, does this interrupt that? Does this make the, make the pitcher think too much? Like, you know, sometimes that trust builds up. You saw it with Hedges and in the pitching staff last season and, and with Roberto Perez for the years he was in Cleveland. They they trusted Perez. They trusted the signs he put down and it kind of, re, you know, kind of relieved the burden off the pitchers, I think. If, if they didn't like a certain pitch in a certain situation, like you said, if they didn't have conviction, you know, they could shake him off. But, you know, that, that kind of, you know, kind of, you got to be on the same wavelength as a catcher. So it's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, if that interferes with this. Well, and you're talking about a team that had 17 players make their debuts last year. Uh, a lot of them were pitchers. Uh, and a young guy like a like a Xavion Curry or a Hunter Gaddis who goes out there for the first time. And, you know, he's not going to be shaking off uh, a veteran catcher, uh, you know, too many times in a game. Uh, but but this would maybe give them a chance or an opportunity or a, a, the ability to communicate back and forth at, at some point and just say, look, you know, this is what I'm feeling in that situation. And they do that in the dugout anyways. But, uh, you know, it's all for speeding up the game and making the, the process go faster. Uh, these guys have had pitch clocks that they're, they've dealt with in the minor leagues already uh, as these younger pitchers are going to be coming up. So... You know, it, it it's not going to affect that too much. But again, if if you're a veteran guy who's been up here since 2018, like Shane Bieber, uh, it's there's going to be an adjustment period. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I I wonder if you're required to wear it, or you know, you can choose just to let the catcher call the game. You probably uh, can go back and forth. Uh, but it's going to be you know, it's like some guys really you know, like I think Cal Quantrill until he got really comfortable with. The pitch com situation last year with catchers calling the pitch, you know, through the earpiece and the wristband. He he liked. I think he called. He just let the pitchers call. I mean, the catchers, you know, use hand signals like they always have. So I guess it'll probably be an adjustment period. Right, and and uh, one of the the situations or the the problems, I guess that that Shane Bieber mentioned early last year at the at the beginning of using pitch com was. Uh, that he thought that the, the game sped up a little too much and that pitchers were getting maybe a little winded or worn out because, you know, they were just getting the ball and firing and getting the ball and firing. And, you know, there's something to that, too. The, the, the pace of the game will increase. And if these pitchers aren't in the kind of shape that they need to be in, and, and Lord knows there are some pitchers out there in Major League Baseball who are not in uh, the, the, the the best of shape, uh, it, it could have a detrimental effect in that way yeah definitely it's you know i think it's an adjustment it's going to be an adjustment and uh you know and you what you get 15 seconds right i think uh -huh. to, throw, 
to deliver the pitch um, once the batter's in the box. And uh, so, uh, this, I mean, it's going to be, yeah, you're going to have to find a way to pace yourself and conditioning is obviously going to be important. Yeah, I, I think the the timings of it change when there are runners on base and, right. you know, if the batter steps out he uh, too many times or whatever, he can get a, a strike called on him from that. So, uh, again, it's it'll all be interesting to see how the adjustments are made uh, from from batters to the pitchers to the to the umpires. But changes are definitely coming and uh, it's going to be like video game baseball here pretty soon. Uh, the, the way the, the pitchers and batters are facing each other. Uh, so yeah, uh, interesting development with Pitchcom is is now that it will be a, a, a more of a, a two way communication uh, situation. Speaking of communication, uh, the Guardians uh, TV situation uh, is still sort of up in the air. I, I guess uh, I think the the club is doing everything it can to to reassure people that uh, there will be a way to watch them on TV this uh, this summer. Uh, what's the latest you're hearing, Paul? From uh, from the Guardian side of things, as as the the ownership or the the survival of uh, Bally Sports is is still up in the air. Yeah, Joe, I think we're going to find something out. You know, uh, the Diamond Sports Group, which kind of runs Bally Sports, and the Diamond Sports Group is a subsidiary of uh, Sinclair, the Sinclair Broadcasting Group. You know, they own the fourteen, uh, you know, regional sports networks in the big leagues, including Cleveland. And, um, you know, they're, they're facing bankruptcy and it, we could find out sometime this month, you know, if they, uh, if they fail to make, uh, a debt payment and, uh, they, they get a 30 day grace period and then they could go into bankruptcy and that could really change the landscape of, uh, Tell you know the watching the guardians on TV and, and you know, uh, MLB has said, you know, it's prepared for this. You know, if if uh, you know, Diamond Sports Group slash Bally Sports, you know, files for bankruptcy, and you know they they can't pay the teams. MLB is set to st- uh, step in, and uh, you know, broadcast the games. It could be. I think there could be some challenges just because you know of the uh, just you know the technology of, of, of involved, but. It sounds like MLB is prepared to uh, carry the games if uh, the SS the SN the SSNs can't, and uh, you know they and they they're pretty confident that you know fans will get to see uh, you know ball games. The ball games are they're supposed to see, and it could even open things up, Joe, for more streaming, and uh, you know maybe lift some of the blackout uh, you know rules that now exist. Well, that was going to be my next question: was uh, if this if this does get turned over to, to to MLB, and and they're responsible for making sure it gets pumped out that way, uh, it, would it open up the the ability for cord cutters, you know, people who who dropped cable, uh, and and who really have been without a way to see the Guardians uh, over the last several seasons, um, would it would it open up the ability for them because. Major League Baseball ha- it has been available on uh, YouTube TV. It's been available uh, through Amazon. So there, there have been ways to to, to watch games through streaming. Uh, it's just the, the the Guardians haven't been a part of that uh, since the, the changes happened. Yeah, I mean, this could be really kind of a revolution with uh, with the, you know cord cutters and cable. All you know the way a game is televised now, the way MLB reaches its audience. 
Uh, this could, uh, you know, they it could give them the opportunity to go in and untangle all the blackout rules, you know, kind of, you know, readjust, you know, to uh, an era that maybe has passed cable by with so many cord cutters, like you said, Joe, that have stepped away from that and are demanding, you know, you know, wants to see their their local team when they play. And uh, I think it's it's really kind of a it, it's pretty exciting, kind of, but uh, it could there's a lot of confusion, too. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Well, and, and you know, my personally, my big concern uh, is for, you know, our friends in the in the press box and, and that we see on the road all the time, you know, Matt and Rick and uh, and Andre, who, who ostensibly they work for this uh, this Valley Sports and, and the Sinclair group and, and all that. You know, uh, I, I want to see that that, you know, they're still on the broadcasts and that things are being put together the same way. Uh, I, I know the fans really enjoy the work that, that some of those guys do and. Uh, I want to be able to, to to see those guys out on the road, you know, and make sure that everything's good with them. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, you know, it's an important part. You know, there's they're they're you know they're the link with uh, the public. You know, they people turn on on the TV every night during the season, expecting to you know hear uh, you know uh, Manning and and Underwood and and Andre, you know, deliver the game. So uh, it's a big part of it. Yeah, it's. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how we move forward. And uh, I I do enjoy the fact that, uh, you know, I, I have cable. I have, I, I believe I have UVerse, uh, and I'm able to watch games on my phone when I'm not home or, you know, when I'm not at the ballpark. So uh, that's a, a convenience and something that I'm, I'm able to, to do if I'm, if I'm out for an evening and I want to check in on the game, I can, I can watch a broadcast on my phone. And not everybody can do that, and I, I think that's a shame. I think more people should would be tuning in and would be watching if they were able to uh, stream the games uh, the way that you know people in other markets are able to do, and it, it's not even a, a question for them. So uh, time to time to get everybody on a, a level playing field with that. All right, that's uh, the latest on the Guardians TV situation. Now we uh, we come to. The, uh, the the dawn of spring training. We come to uh, uh, Goodyear, where uh, the, the team is getting ready to uh, get back on the field and, and get out there and, and start working. We want to know what questions and what issues uh, face the Guardians as they head into spring training. I think we've got a good list here that we're going to go over, uh, starting with, you know, uh, just knowing who the opponents are and knowing uh, that this year with a balanced schedule, and each uh, major league team is going to face every other team in the big leagues. Uh, some will be at home, some will be on the road. Uh, there will be fewer intra-divisional games, but uh, the the balanced schedule, how is that going to work out for the Guardians? Is, a, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think probably overall for baseball, it's a good thing, Joe. You know, uh, fans will get to see, you know, different teams coming into their their own ballparks. You know, you get to see the best players in baseball, you know, in live. But uh, for the Guardians, who have really, you know, had a lot of success in their division, I think it kind of hurts them. It, it's gonna, you know, they they've been able to, uh, you know, really pile up a lot of wins against Chicago, against Detroit, against Kansas City. You know they've really been able to take advantage to the bottom of this uh, the AL Central, and um, you know so that's you know the games like you said the intra division games are 
they're they're you know it's cut back from 19 you know again 19 against each team so um you know that that could hurt them yeah it's cut back from 19 against each team but you'll also be playing the bottom teams in the other divisions as well so it's 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 almost a wash in that regard uh yeah you would you don't face you know the royals 19 times in a season but you'll get to see you know, the Marlins or, uh, you know, the, the Diamondbacks and, you know, Mike Trout will get to play in Philly, you know, and it won't have to wait on a, you know, six year cycle to, to do that. So, you know, previously the way that the interleague games had, had worked was, um, you, you'd have to wait, you know, what, six years, uh, at a time before a team came back to your ballpark. Uh, because your division would have to play the other three divisions or the other two divisions, uh, you know, each each year. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's a it's a real good thing for baseball, like you said. Uh, Shohei Otani gets to go to Yankee Stadium uh, on a regular basis. It, it, that that's a that's a good thing. But uh, you're right. It, individually, it's it's going to be uh, a, an adjustment for some of these teams to to not, you know, there won't be you know, four trips to Kansas city this year for the guardians there. I think there's only three. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll take some getting used to, uh, I think. And, and, you know, when you look at the uh, wild card situation with the extra team, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the best of three, you know, uh, I think, yeah, the best, best of three, uh, the setup that it is for the wild card teams. I think it's, this gives you, just gives, um, uh, it's more fair. It's a fairer, you know, way to, uh, you know, settle on who the wild card teams are. And it's a, it's a more level playing field. All right. The, uh, the bottom of the guardians rotation, and it sounds kind of weird and funny to, to be saying Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali, when we're talking about the bottom of that rotation. Uh, but that's who we're talking about right now, because uh, I think Shane Bieber, Cal Quantrill and Tristan McKenzie, are pretty locked in at the top of the rotation. Uh, what are we expecting out of uh, Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali in terms of being able to bounce back from really kind of off seasons? And and then, you know, how much of a, a leash is Tito going to give them uh, before trying to start uh, seeing some of this young talent that's that's really pressing up from the minors and, and ready to, to, to come on? Yeah, Joe, I mean, Savali really hasn't been healthy what for two years? I mean, he was, he looked like he was headed to the all-star game in 2021. He had that finger injury. Then he just had a whole bunch of, you know, last season, you know, he really kind of struggled. Uh, uh, I, let, 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 me, let me, last season, he injured his rear end. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he I, that's, come on. That's, that's not You're good. talking about freak injuries. He He spent two weeks on the injured list with a with a, a rear end bruise and that go on i just that's how ridiculous we're talking then he had a wrist in, i think he wrist injury a couple times right the wrist yes. or the hand or something he only made 20 starts you know five and six four four nine two four point nine two era uh still you know he still struck out 98 guys in in 97 innings but he needs to stay on the field joe he needs to make 30 starts yeah, that's that's really the the, the case is w- really with both of them because Plesak's had uh, injuries as well, but his have been self-inflicted. 
Yeah, definitely. He has been his he's been his own worst enemy. Uh, you know, Zach last year, uh, you know, really had had a tough code. Three and twelve, four point three one ERA, twenty-five games, twenty-four starts, hundred strikeouts in hundred and thirty-two and two third innings. Um, you know, thirty-eight walk I mean thirty-eight walks. So I mean, he just, you know, he, you know, and, and really, he, he kind of he didn't get the greatest run support for sure. You know that that played into the the three and twelve record, but uh, you know he needs to uh, kind of cool down. You know he needs to control that temper. He needs to uh, keep a level head and just pitch. You know, and and but like you said, Joe, there's there's people coming up behind both those guys. They're close in the rearview mirror, so. Uh, you know, they have to have a good spring and and they have to start the season well. Yeah, for somebody like Plesak who posts so many uh, yoga videos and stretching and meditating and, uh, you know, life is fine and, you know, peaceful looking uh, Instagram videos on his social media. Uh, the, the fact that we've seen his temper flare up at least twice uh, over the last couple of years and, and cost him games because of it, uh, it doesn't really fit doesn't really compute the the frustrating part is both of these guys when they're healthy and when they're on they're as good as they they make the guardians rotation as good as any in baseball just because of of the consistency from one through five yeah you know like we saw you know last year police act i mean uh Savali, even with the injuries, going on the, the IL three times, he showed a great curveball. You know, that was probably his best pitch, one of the best pitches in the American League. He got a lot of outs on it. Uh, but, you know, we've got to see a whole season of that. We've got to see him being able to use all his pitches, and he's got a lot of them. What, he throws about six six different pitches, but he's got to be healthy enough to do that. And, you know, that that's a key. Health is a key. All right, moving on. Uh, the, the idea of a sophomore jinx, do you buy into that at all? And how could, uh, the second year look for some of these rookies who came up and produced like Steven Kwan, like Oscar Gonzalez, uh, and, and, you know, played a major role in the success of the team last year. Uh, will there be a sophomore jinx and, and can they beat it if there is? Well, I think, you know, it's, I think that plays the sophomore jinx, I think, is more in the, you know, more in the fans' mind, the sports writers' mind. I think, uh, I don't think the players really think about that. But you know, it's a sophomore jinx for a reason. You know, cliches are cliches backed by facts. So uh, you know, that's how they become cliches. So, um, it, you know, I think the one thing, you know, guys like Quan, guys like Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, are not going to be able to sneak up on anybody anymore. Everybody knows these guys now. The pitchers know them. The other teams know them. So it's not going to be like they're going to be able to take people by surprise and, you know, they're going to take uh, two or three months to adjust. They've had a whole season to adjust. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting to see just how the, Cleveland's young players really handle the second their second time around in the, in the big leagues. Yeah, here's the here's the thing with that. Uh, a guy like a Stephen Kwan, who's got one year under his belt, and and uh, you know Oscar Gonzalez, you know he 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 was up after May, and and you know not a, a whole lot of time. They're still finding out who they are as big leaguers, and, and you know, and making adjustments. Even even as good as they were in the playoffs, uh, 
they're still learning and making adjustments and finding out who they are. And and I think Tito's still finding out who they are as well. I think they have a, a good idea of who they, you know, want them to be and who they, they hope they will eventually be. But, uh, you know, we might see some variation. We might see some uh, regression towards the mean. I got to imagine that there's no way Stephen Kwan gets out of the gate as fast as he did last year. I could be completely wrong with that because maybe he's just doing everything right and 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 baseball has to adjust to Stephen Kwan. But uh, I, I don't think he's going to have uh, a lot of five-hit games in April. But if he does, that means really good things are going to be happening for this club uh, early on. Yeah, for sure. He's going to, you know, start the season in the leadoff spot. Last year, you know, he was batting down at the uh, bottom of the order. Uh, There's going to be a lot of focus on him because when he moved into the leadoff spot, that really kind of set the tone for that offense. So I think there's going to be a lot more attention on him. But, you know, with Quan, you know, if if you had to, if you – if you mark, you know, if you kind of rated the worry factor on on any on all these rookies that they played last year, I think Quan would be you know, at the bottom of the scale. You know, Joe, right. we've seen him; he's so disciplined. You know, he doesn't swing at bad pitches. You know, he, he can go the other way. He can run. He can steal a base. He's got so many things working in his favor that you know I would think you know if anybody is immune to uh, the sophomore jinx, it would be Quan. Boy, uh, immune to the sophomore jinx, is, I, I think, is 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 a strong way to say it. I, I hope you're right. but uh, <laughs> That might but, be the kiss of death. I don't know. Yeah, I was, was going to say, write this one down. Hoynes is going to jump in the lake if uh, if Juan <laughs> isn't uh, immune to the sophomore jinx. Uh, and, and, you know, the one the one that I, I really want to see is Oscar Gonzalez. Are the strikeouts going to stay, you know, if, if, the, if the strikeouts stay where they were last year, I think that's pretty good. He's still able to put the ball in play and, and uh, you know, he was developing his power. He, he was, he's starting to hit uh, the opposite way a little bit more too. Uh, I really think that he's the one that you're right. You've, you've really got a key on to see for the sophomore jinx. Yeah. He's got a big swing, Joe, you know, the, and uh, like you said, can he continue to, uh, you know, hit, can he hit 290 while, uh, you know, like not walking very much like 15 walks, and, uh, you know, they, I know that, you know, Francona, you know, told them last year, just swing at good pitches. We don't need you to walk. We've got other guys around you that are going to walk. But, you know, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how he, you know, handles, you know, a full year, too. He's going to, you know, I would imagine this, this he's the favorite going into spring training to win the right field job. So he's going to be an opening day guy. You know, he's not going to be like we've seen so many times in the past, come up from the minors when you're hot, hit the ground running. And, you know, that really helps. Now he's going to have to go through April. You know, he's going to have to be there from day one. All right. The next question, uh, it also concerns the outfield, I guess, uh, center field. And what are we going to see from Miles Straw and and how long is Miles Straw going to, how much uh, of an opportunity is Miles Straw going to get to to sort of work himself out of the funk that he was in for the majority of the season last year? Can Miles Straw be the guy that they signed to a long-term deal uh, at the beginning of last season, as opposed to uh, what they saw, you know, the the rest of the, the last five months of the season uh, where he just sort of fell off a cliff? Yeah, that's that's a big question, Joe. And uh, you know, we know number one 
Francona loves his glove, loves his defense, and uh, he, they, they, the reason they got him from Houston in the first place is not because he was really an offensive threat, but, be, but because he could play center field, and he's shown that. He won a gold glove last year. Um, but, you know, he needs to hit he needs to hit more than he did last year. He cannot hit 221 again last year with no home runs. You know, he he, he needs to get on base because he can run. You know, he's a threat when he's on base. Um, we just and, you know, he came came to Cleveland for some hitting, you know, the hitting schools or the hitting camps that they conducted during during the offseason. So perhaps that'll help him. But I think he's a better player, a better hitter than he showed last year, Joe. Yeah, I, I think that's what the Guardians are are sort of banking on. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, uh, who's waiting in the wings to to come up behind him? Uh, is there is is it Will Brennan time? They 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 traded away uh, Will Benson, so he's out of the the, the picture. Uh, Will Brennan, you you would think would be a, a guy who's got the opportunity to to step in and, and play some in center field. Uh, but but who else is coming uh, in terms of outfielders behind him? Yeah, you've got Will Brennan, you've got George Valera, you know, as, as long as his hand is healthy and he should be he should be ready to go by the end of, you know, the start of the regular season. He's played some center field, although mo- he's played mostly right, I think, lately uh, last year in Columbus. But he's played some center field. Uh, so well, those are you can also move Quan over into center field because yeah. that's where yeah, he's that's... played the majority of his career and then move Valera to a, a corner if you have to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, but uh, Brennan, interesting guy, you know, no fear, kind of three. He came up at the end of the season. He had 357 in 11 games. You know, he, pl- he made the postseason roster. Uh, had a couple hits there. So, you know, he he's an exciting guy. He's an interesting guy. And he played a lot of center field last year. Yeah, st- still laugh when, uh, when Will Brennan talks about what the uh, – what his friends and family asked him about his uh, his his you know trip to the postseason, they said, "Why is why is Garrett Cole your daddy?" <laughs> that was uh, you know uh, Garrett Cole sort of owned him, but uh, again, uh, no, uh, he he doesn't have anything to be be ashamed of uh, for the season he had last year and, and making it to the the playoffs. The point he did, uh, a, a good on you for striking out three times against Garrett, Garrett Cole. That's uh, uh, a lot of people would. Uh, finally, let's wrap it up. Uh, our, our last question: Did the Guardians do enough in the off season in free agency to address the issues that they had uh, in in terms of needing a middle of the order bat with a, a little more thump and a, a catcher that could not only call the game and, and handle the pitching staff the way Tito likes it, uh, but also you know, maybe provide a little bit more at the plate than Austin Hedges and, uh, uh, you know, the, the catching situation last year did. Yeah, within the confines of their payroll, I think they did, Joe. You know, Josh Bell, uh, you know, first baseman DH, you know, he's shown power in the past. He didn't He didn't show a lot of power last year, but for a team that finished second last in the big leagues in home runs, you know, he's he, he, he gives you that, you know that that threat of of going deep. He's a good contact hitter. So that's an yeah. I think that fills checks one box. And uh, Mike Zanino, uh, the catcher, they you know they signed. Um, you know he's had he's had success in the past. He's you know he's along the hedges lines. 
you know, profile defensively. And, you know, two years ago, he hit 33 home runs with uh, Tampa Bay. Now he has to be healthy. He's coming off uh, thoracic outlet syndrome uh, surgery on his left arm. So we've got to see how he comes to spring training. Yeah, uh, I think Zanino's health will be, uh, if we if we flip this list over uh, and, and went uh, bottom to top, I think uh, Zanino's health would be at the top of the list uh, for, you know, biggest concern right now heading in. Uh, thing that we're watching uh, the most and, and how they're going to bring him along and progress him uh, towards the start of the season. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we will be talking a little bit of World Baseball Classic uh, on Wednesday with a special guest, a mystery guest that we'll, uh, we'll jump in here with uh, on Wednesday. And we'll talk to you then. Hoinsey, we'll, uh, we're getting closer. It's almost here. All right, Joe.